Hey y'all, Illidan here with a quick message. We realized episodes 1 through 12 had some rough audio and tech issues, and I tried to edit it all out, but it didn't quite meet our standards. So what we're going to do is we're going to be re-recording some of the topics in later episodes that inevitably will have more ideas and different content still pertinent to the original topic. So as you listen to these older episodes, we humbly ask for your patience as we press on and strive to bring you better content each week. If you'd like to continue hearing uh, the original episode, keep listening. If not, look for the topic name in our episode list in our new episodes, where we've learned to fix some of those issues. We hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, goblins and paladins all. This is the second episode where we, the Story Weavers, help you as players and dungeon masters, new, old, and aspiring, with questions and ideas for your next tabletop role-playing game. Welcome to the This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. Uh, today we have myself, Illidine, and Thorn, your usual hosts, and we are interviewing uh, Robbie today. Say hi. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. <laughs> so today we were going to talk about uh, Robbie's favorite shtick uh, in tabletop role-playing, which is horror and all the things oh, associated yes. with that. Yes, my, my favorite thing. <laughs> or um, what I love to make all my games centered around and what I love to um, include. And I feel like it really gets everybody going. So so that's actually, let's start with how you got started into horror. Oh yeah, definitely. I, for the longest time, had a, was a giant scaredy cat and um, <laughs> really like pushed myself to, to jump into horror. Um, I started with um, horror novels in uh, high school. And then I worked my way up to um, really exploring horror in college, where I, I went to school for English and I have a bachelor's degree in English with a, a focus on creative writing. So a lot of my stuff was horror, horror themed. Um, I got really into kind of exploring um, different kinds of horror. Um, the, and one of my focuses was H.P. Lovecraft, the horror of the unknown. And so as I began my delve into Dungeons and Dragons and other um, RPGs, a lot of my writing w included um, horror themes and, include, and monsters and like strange creatures and um, weird unknown lands. And so now I'm just a giant horror buff looking for the next horror thrill to excite me. So. <laughs> Uh, and for the listeners, uh, Thorn, myself, and Robbie, we uh, collectively play Dungeons and Dragons as well as um, World of Darkness, which is Thorn's main shtick. Um, but we all have a campaign, at least in one of those, that follows uh, that horror theme. Um, so I was thinking we could talk about, uh, from Robbie and Thorn's perspective, on different ways that we can add horror into uh, either a ready-made campaign or just making a horror campaign in general? Oh, yeah. That is the question today. Well, uh, Robbie, I know, like, in World of Darkness, what I mainly do, it's very much centered on horror things. And it can be as scary or not scary as you want it. Personally, I like to torture. So I like to, to wring as much tension and drama out of 
the players as I can, uh, maybe not as directly, a lot of indirect things. But how do you always seem to so well bring out more themes in D&D? Well, um, it usually starts with uh, what I'm um, focusing on getting out from the players. So when I when I create a horror themed campaign, um, I'm really looking for. Um, I usually will begin with like questions for the players and their care and their care about their characters involving um, their backstories when they're when they're building their game, and I usually build off my horror themes um, based on things that are present in the characters themselves. Um, I also enjoy using horror as a as a lens to look at the characters like um, interactions and like perspectives in the game. So horror lends itself very much to um, the very much to the thought processes of things we don't usually um, like to discuss or um, things we usually avoid, like the darkness or murder or um, the psyche and how people go insane or how how people think. Um, so I use that to really challenge my, my players in my game. It also adds a lot of, um, a lot of cooperation and critical thinking when there's this, uh, unknown going on and everybody's working together to, to solve the, the, solve the problem or solve the solution. So that's part of why I really, how, why I really venture towards horror. Um, now when it comes to easily applying it to my games, um, it's just, I usually like to look at um, a different uh, different kinds of horror horror like um, I pull from a lot of uh, fiction or fantasy that's already already out there and I'll usually bend it towards um, my game. Uh, I pull a lot from HP Lovecraft, I pull a lot from Stephen King and I also pull a lot from folk and uh, folk and um, urban legends. So a lot of my horror centers around um, strange and unknown beings um, like H.P. Lovecraft and are fighting a giant creature that's um, that's terrifying and animalistic, like as if like as it came right out of an urban legend or like a ghost story. So that's usually why it's so simple. And D&D lends itself very well to doing that considering um, the monsters themselves are already kind, kind of based off um, our fears and, and what, we're, what we're scared of. Um, there's vampires, werewolves. Um, in more recent years, they've even included um, like Japanese folklore and Japanese ghost stories. Um, I know that uh, the new Van Richten's Guide um, to Ravenloft includes a uh, a Japanese vampire, which is, I was super excited to see, and I'm going to include in my games in the future. So. And I also saw in Van Richten that they had that Slenderman type monster in there mm -hmm. that I yeah. was super psyched about. That thing looks amazing. Yeah, it does. And that, and like I said, it lends, it, it lends itself very well to the fear of the unknown. And um, especially with everyone's obsession with creepypastas and like, ghost stories and like um, conspiracy theories. It's it's really easy to, to put it into a game where everybody can enjoy. 
there's something there in horror for everyone so yeah and i i mean it it does obviously uh depend on the um the players themselves because i know uh there's a few of uh players that we play with uh that doesn't necessarily like the horror um aspect of things even though they enjoy the the descriptors that are often used uh because i know when robbie when you introduced uh your new character in my campaign um cat was grossed out by the way that you uh, <laughs> you came to be uh but she was also amazed at the creativity um so if you want to uh if you don't mind just touching on on how that uh the description came out oh yeah um so in your game where we uh just so everyone knows we we started a um we started a new epic level campaign um that included um that includes level 20 and above which is a continuation of your previous campaign mm-hmm. um and for that one i <laughs> i originally wasn't going to go the horror route for this one um if you remember i had another character that died on the first uh the first session yeah i'm very proud of that (laughs) (laughs) which and for people that are new and and i i say this to new players all the time your characters are going to die (laughs) and that happens and it's not the end of the world because you can make new ones Mm -hmm. exactly it's just it's a hump that a lot of new players have trouble getting over I myself was included among when I first started playing. It just happens. Now, Robbie did it in a most spectacular fashion <laughs> in less than 10 minutes. It, it was amazing. It was. I did. Um, and and that, that idea of character death um, keep, really keeps, really adds to the idea of horror because it's it keeps the tension going in the whole game and it gets harder the longer you play the character. Um, luckily, my character was only about 10 minutes old and um, did something really, really dumb and picked up a sword, became possessed, and then I lost my character. <laughs> but um, we kind of knew that going in that there was a lot of dangers in this level 20 and above world. Um, so I found myself in a predicament um, I had to create a new character uh, on the spot, sort of. Um, I had had an idea bouncing around um, since Van Richten's Guide came out about the, the Mains of Dread um, and what a character like that would look like. And I had already been building my own Domains of Dread um, based on some of my own horrific concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, but the introduction of the character um, was her introduction came from an idea that I had about um, Ant-Man meets the uh, meets Xenomorphs from Alien. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of where where she came out from, where her her intro came out from, because um, she does burst out of someone's neck um, when uh, they come they come back from whatever dimension they went in where she found them. She shrunk herself, gets into their neck, and then when, when they get back, she bursts out of their neck. Um, I had a, I used a lot of descriptors involving gore and um, her uh, like blood dripping down from her 
and um, used a lot of uh, used that that fear of of the unknown to my advantage. Um, she was a new play, she was a new character. She had she has antlers. Her skin's dark, and like she has this this kind of personality of arrogance coming out from um, this person's neck, and she's covered in blood. And I just wanted to play up that that terror like that like oh is she an enemy is she a foe is she a villain so that's where a lot of it came from yeah and i like i like how you did you did eventually balance it out though because you did you described this really horrific scene um you know as you said they, she came out of this person's neck his body exploded uh there was a lot of blood but at the end of it you essentially describe her toe to head. And when you got to the head, she exclaimed, ew, and like wiped <laughs> off some of the blood. And that kind of got a chuckle out of the table. So that way it wasn't necessarily, especially like, you know, for the person that we're talking about, Kat, it wasn't completely terrible for her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and horror, uh, horror doesn't always have to be like consistent, consistently like scary. Um, when mm -hmm. I'm writing horror, I like to I like to include um, comedy as well. Um, a lot of a lot of my uh, my reading material recently has, has been like uh, uh, John dies at the end. Um, this book's full of spiders, and they're in this weird genre of horror horror comedy where there's a lot. It's really gory, really scary, but there's these these moments where it's it's full comedy and like something funny going on. Um, so that's what I like to do to kind of balance out um, the horror themes and not to make the whole thing terribly dreadful. Mm -hmm. so. Conversely, Thorn, on the other hand, loves just 100% nonstop dread. Yes, um, <laughs> and I, I, I understand the fear of the unknown and I use the fear of the unknown a lot in my campaign, um, but I also am currently running a campaign that's also taking the atrocities of what actually happened of the human existence. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, if you, I'm kind of a history buff on that point. Um, I do like to read up on some of the, I, I guess you could call it the worst times in human history, uh, you know, where I've, I've taken them back to, I've, I've actually included a, a little bit of a, a time jump element in mine and a little bit of Cthulhu just sprinkled on top for good measure. <laughs> uh, because th there's, the fear of the unknown is, is one of the greatest fears that is shared among humans worldwide. Uh, and it's, it brings something I, I think almost primal out of the players and it makes them think very critically. And I tend to put time limits on my things. So in my head and I'm running constant time on how many sessions we're doing and what all's getting done to whether it ends up as a happy ending or not. And uh, currently, I've got I've got the 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 path in um, the Failing Witch Trials. I touched on um, the Jack the Ripper. Uh, we started off with the zombie apocalypse. So I'm I'm trying to include a little bit of everything, but uh, I'm I'm planning future arcs and future jumps uh, back in time, forward in time, maybe one shot. You know, you can do like a one shot in this time period, just a one single day horrible event happens. 
And if they don't fix it or something, they get shoved somewhere else. And the whole time I'm doing it, Cthulhu is jumping through time also, just feeding off of the, the, these horrors and these, these uh, just horrible things that happen that, that people can do to each other. And it's just another look at the horror tropes because they're out there. Yeah. And, and history is one of the easiest things to borrow from because it's not trademarked. It actually happened. <laughs> That's true. It'd be interesting if it was trademarked. That would be weird. <laughs> you know, like, just, like, 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 uh, like Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> putting like a, 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 a TM at the end of, <laughs> of his actions. <laughs> he ain't doing crap because that fool's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, my name's Trademark, so every movie you make about me, I'm making a small percentage. <laughs> yeah, it's it just, it goes to me and, you know, my potential family, whatever, whoever they may be, if they so choose to claim my name. Because <laughs> mm. I don't know if I would. I think I'd have to have a name change. Like, you know, I'm not a part of that. <laughs> um, it, the thing about the horror genre in in I mean, there's so much out there to borrow from. Right. Like we said in the last podcast, borrow from books, borrow from me. Oh, steal everything. Steal yeah. everything you can. Exactly. Um, there's, it's really hard to come up with original ideas, but original ideas can be birthed from um, the bodies of the old. So all your books on H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, um, uh, Alien Martinez, like you can, you can open those up and take concepts from them and then as it's evolving with you through the story you can build something original so it's just it's a uh, and that's something we've all all done um i mean like uh you know obviously with thorns uh he touched on jack the ripper but as a, a pack of werewolves we had um there was like a mirror realm uh uh side to things where one of our characters was just lost and her doppelganger was running around uh with the the big bad of this sequence and you know obviously jack the ripper ended up being uh like a eldritch horror werewolf mix type thing that we had to fight um and then in in my campaign uh arc one we did. Uh, we we met with Hashtour uh, from HP Lovecraft, and I made him actually a hidden a hidden good guy uh, and brother to Cthulhu. And so it was, it was still like obviously it's HP Lovecraft's work, but we we twisted it and changed it to work towards that that arc. Um, and I know Robbie, you've done a ridiculous amount of stuff like that. Um, because you you did something I forget what you were telling me about your session one of your most recent Curse of Strahd game, where it wasn't even oh, Curse okay. of Strahd; it was just like this is me, and then we're going into Curse of Strahd. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There was a I I ran a game. Um, I called it I Strahd, um, which is it, which is a play on the uh, on the. Um, there's a no, there's a whole novel series about Strahd called I Strahd, mm-hmm. but um, that I've read and it's fantastic. Um, but I I started the game off with serial killers, um, 
one of the one of the best things I find um, to do, one of my favorite things to do, is to create like this idea, a uh, utopian like setting um, for my players at the beginning, and then just throw splash and horror and let it like grow like a parasite through the whole setting, <laughs> um, because nothing is ever what it seems, and so that's what it, that's what the beginning of my game was it was a um it was a very utopian society um very peaceful bright colors bright bright colors bright images and then they had to deal with a serial killer and it was very abrupt and very gruesome in the middle of all of this mm-hmm. and it kind of led the it kind of paved the way for the rest of the game um the i i included um De, uh, demonic possession um i had uh windigos and yetis because there was also an element of snow um i had the werewolves and i also had um eldritch terrors because eldritch terrors are like a great spice like They're universal you spice everything <laughs> yeah you can spice up everything oh. with it it could be anything. anything yeah and that's that's one thing that i loved about um lovecraft in in eldritch horror in general because he really did use that the fact that it could just be anything uh i was reading one of his shorts um the name is escapes me right now uh but the entire time it's uh the main character sending messages to someone else or vice versa is when the conversation starts and the other guy is explaining like, hey, I'm, I'm hearing these noises. I'm hearing uh, my dogs are barking like crazy. Uh, I haven't seen anything yet. It's just he's describing all the things that are happening. And, you know, later on in the story, you know, the dogs die and the, the, the dead silence that he ex- uh, experiences during that. And all the while, like the readers are putting in their own horror uh, to it because it, I mean, it could be anything. So we're just, we're adding to that spice. <laughs> I've, I've read that one. I've read that one. It's, it's all about, it never says what it is. It's all in yeah. your imagination. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's and something that, Robbie that you did um, in our, uh, in your current campaign, uh, which we're going to, this is a great segue to plug in uh, right now, but you have taken us uh, to this, maze realm uh and there's a a darker portion of this maze realm where there's just like these giant creatures uh you know we're in a cavern the only reason why we can see anything is because uh the bard is is casting dancing lights all the time no one has or well a few of us have dark vision but it's like not helpful um and so you constantly are are tapping into that that unknown and just like, oh, well, it could be this, but it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, the, the campaign's called Ugorth, and um, it's O-O-G-O-R-T-H. Um, it's a campaign that, I've, that I have, um, we are hosting on Twitch. Um, you can find us on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not entirely sure how the search engine on Twitch goes, but I'm pretty sure if you type in Ugorth, you can't miss it because it's spelled so strangely. Um, but uh, the world itself is, now that you mentioned it, the world itself is kind of built off off of horror themes, um, actually. 
because the gods of the world are beholders and beholders are terrifying beings who look like eldritch terrors and they have a bunch of eyes that do not make sense and they have a central eye and they have like large gaping maws and they levitate and they're creepy looking and so the whole the whole concept of Ugorth was to begin as a as a horror setting um the the place that y'all are in is the Beastlands, and I had a lot of fun with that. Like I said, the best place to plug in horror is where you least you least expect it. And what better place to plug it in than nature itself? Because nature is terrifying when you think about um, all the horrible things that could happen in nature for smaller creatures. And just because the Beastlands is just a a a forest on a bigger scale, mm-hmm. and you all are the tiny creatures in it. And so I just played around with that. Um, I have uh, the fear of holes. I have the fear of parasites, um, urban legends, um, the fear of the dark. I use the fear of the sea. Um, When y'all were crossing the giant lake in the Beastlands with the massive sea creatures, the fear of the sea, which is a fear I have. And I, I put my my um imagery that truly terrified me into the scenes that i played out i uh, played out with everybody with like with the giant shark and the crabs and the and the selkie um, <laughs> in the ocean and yeah i've i've loved playing i love playing with that i love i love doing that because nature is a terrifying thing and the fear of things in nature is a is a common fear that people have and so i just played everything up to 100 (laughs) yeah and again for the for the viewers uh i just tried it on twitch you can just search o-o-g-o-r-t-h and you'll see an icon of a uh drawn out beholder um and the full campaign is ugarth uh, ugarth the eye of the beholder um so you guys could uh, take a look at it and as robbie said we do it uh on mondays uh every two weeks and yeah. uh, you said that you were uh, planning on doing some more streaming stuff on that channel as well. So uh, make sure to check yeah. that out, guys. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, to grow the channel a little bit more. So please come join us and um, enjoy us with and uh, enjoy the uh, Ugor setting. And then hopefully there will be more projects to come on the Twitch stream. So yeah. Um, um, for for the new new DMs, uh, what would be the one thing uh, Thorne and Robbie both uh, can answer? Um, the one thing that you guys would say, like, hey, if you're wanting to put horror into your game, either would it be a, a do this or a read this? What's what's like your number one advice for for the new DMs out there? Robbie, you can go first. Are you sure? You can go first corner if you want. <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the one of the first things is keep it simple. When you try to overthink things, it usually causes a mess. Mm-hmm. But really, whatever scares you is gonna work. Uh, if you'd like to read Stephen King, there's tons there. Oh yeah. If you if you like scary movies, oh come on, that's that's like the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it doesn't even matter. It could be the cheesiest scary movies. If you could tweak it just a little bit, it could be terrifying. And 
one of the, as a DM, one of the best things you can say when somebody asks you if they want to, they want to do something, you just say, well, you can try. Mm-hmm. And that could be the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. That's, I mean, that's just, that's the simplest advice. No one likes to hear it. Um, you can drive because... Oh, I hate that. I hate it myself as a player. Freaking hate it. <laughs> I, I, I stole that from Matt Mercer because he always says you can certainly try. And that, that certainly just like... I don't know. It just adds a little more to it. It's like, oh, you can certainly try. And just have that that like... Uh, I don't know. Not necessarily a, a pompous tone to it, but like, just like, yeah, I mean... It's in idea. I'm not going to tell you whether it's good or not. <laughs> it sounds like Robbie's having trouble with his dog. Oh, sorry. I um, yeah, I stepped away for a minute to put the dog <laughs> out of the room. My bad. Oh, that's um, all right. <laughs> um, and so, what so, about you, Robbie? Uh, what would you advise? I would. One sec. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, and actually, Thorne, we could talk about this. Uh, we haven't gotten to play it yet, but one of the newer games, I don't know exactly how new, but Dread, we've been wanting to play it using the Jenga oh, blocks. Yeah. I mean, that's not even, that's not something that uh, necessarily is horror, obviously, but it has that, I mean, it has that sense of Dread, you know, pun. And it's uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't I, wait. I've I've actually played in Dread, and Dread is an amazing system. As you just a full on um, tense horror campaign, uh, it's it's very lethal for your players. It's very fun to see everybody kind of squirm and like and like freak out about actions they're gonna do, and it's very it's very open. Like you can do it on pretty much anything. Um, yeah, I saw on um, on Reddit that somebody was actually using it like specifically for D and D, and they just you know they stole I guess like the the central mechanic of Dread, um, with the with the Jenga blocks and just put it into their campaign. So I, I if I remember correctly, it was like oh if you crit miss, you're pulling a block, and it that determines what happens. <laughs> oh, that that terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> That actually, that's kind of ingenious when you think about it. Yeah, and that really that just adds the, Yeah, it ups the tension. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, basically, if, if, if you know, none of the listeners have ever heard of Dread, you, you get these characters, but they're not really statted out. And they're usually, you know, horror trope characters, the, the cheerleader, the jock, the scientist, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna die. Dread doesn't end nicely. You all die. Right. So it like it you are playing out your uh, your stereotypes and you're playing out what's what's gonna, what usually happens to them in horror movies. Very rarely do you win. Yeah. And if anybody wants to check it out, see it played, uh Will Wheaton used to have a show called Tabletop and he played it with you know like three other people. You know, and it was amazing. It's on YouTube. Look it up. Just put tabletop uh, dread, and it'll come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an amazing 
game, and I'm so looking forward to playing it. I had Jenga just to play that game. <laughs> yeah, we were gonna play it, remember? And um, and then you know, life life inevitably <laughs> inevitably happens. <laughs> yeah, life inevitably. Which it does from time to time. But no, uh, it's it, it, Robbie. What was what was what would you say? Give advice to new DMs, new uh, storytellers. Uh, what what would you say if they wanted to, to incorporate horror into their campaign? Well, like you said, um, like you said the the first time when, and I think that's great advice is to keep it simple. Um, you don't you don't have to overcomplicate horror. It's uh, it's really easy to to build. Uh, to build that tension and build that fear um, with simple things like you don't have to you don't have to uh, describe a um, you don't have to describe something in detail or describe a monster in detail all you need to do is describe little things like a whisper or um, some claws scratching against the against the floor or um, something heavy on upstairs you know, things like that are red eyes watching you from the darkness. And then let your players, the, the scariest part about it is letting your players build that, that creature in their head. And they're going to build something that scares them. And they're, they're going to fear that what's, they're going to pull the fears that scare them and they're going to add those aspects to the, whatever creature or whatever scenario you throw at them. And so yeah, as simple is usually the best, the best way to go. Um, I would definitely check out, um, like you said, Stephen King. I would also check out some some newer, um, some newer people who have uh, who have written into horror. Like his his son writes great horror. Um, I think his name is Joe Hill, right? Joe Hill's his son. Yes. Yeah, Joe Hill's his son. Um, Joe Hill writes writes really great horror, especially when it comes to the human condition. And then um, I would also check out uh, Edgar Allan Poe has great tension in his stories. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to pull um, a pull inspiration for a tense story, I would check out Edgar Allan Poe. And then you check, check out, out a, a um, telltale, a telltale yeah, heart is the most tense yeah. story ever. <laughs> and then. Um, I would also, and you don't have to go very far either, especially if you're playing a setting like Dungeons and Dragons. There's usually, a, looking through the monster manual, you could probably find something terrifying, and just adding, adding uh, tense scenarios and a and a like in a very dire setting, and adding that creature in it can make that encounter um, scary. So, yeah, yeah. Or even a, and uh, and something that I've done uh, that has kind of like challenged me because you were saying about the monster manual, in the monster manual, uh, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, um, those kind of uh, uh, what are they called accessory uh, books, there a lot of the monsters have like a a small lore uh, paragraph before the stat block, um, and so you can look at it and. Uh, just read just that lore paragraph and make a story off of that. And so, especially in arc one, a lot of the creatures that were encountered in my campaign, other than the overarching uh, yellow sign, there was a lot of creatures that I just picked out the lore and it was maybe a barmaid was telling a story that the the party overheard or uh, 
one uh one city was having trouble with uh werewolves and i just took the lore of the werewolf and added like a a pack tactic uh event you know every time a werewolf came in they took one person but they didn't eat the person they changed the person and so there was just this growing army of werewolves that the party had to deal with um and of course the uh the party was able to uh manhandle the alpha <laughs> enough for an intimidation roll and the dice fall as they do and the rest of the pack kind of dispersed but uh you know just that that initial aspect of having you know oh yeah there's potentially 30 werewolves you might have to deal with just saying a huge number like that where you have that uh in your back pocket like yeah there's you know there's thir there's 30 uh citizens missing from the town uh and we don't know if they were eaten or if they were turned into werewolves that on its own uh lends to a little bit of horror <laughs> Definitely. And like, I know when when I did with with the World of Darkness campaign I'm doing, which is is mainly werewolf based. Um, like I said, I started out with with the zombie apocalypse, which was actually just me and another friend just kind of goofing off. Next thing you know, I got like six players mm -hmm. because everybody thought it was awesome. So we went along went through that part, and then some <laughs> other stuff happened, and I borrowed from a, a very it's a it's a famous movie, you know, and a lot of the younger listeners might not have heard of it. But it's called Stepford Wives, mm -hmm. to where I took some of the the main characters and put them. I took all the characters and I put them in a like a cul-de-sac in a regular neighborhood, and only two of them actually knew remembered anything from before. The rest of them were basically robots. Well, that was so fun to work with too. <laughs> yeah, and I actually had I had Illidan helping me with it because it had to sell. Yeah, and that's where I came in. That was like my first session with the <laughs> yeah. uh, town. Yes, it was. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> and I mean, it, it was so great because we knew that we would get a reaction out of the two players that their characters knew what was going on, um, and uh, my character. Uh, was one of you know obviously like the the robot esque uh, theme, and so my character who was you know it originally kidnapped uh, from uh, from Iceland and uh, he was forced into the Russian mafia and uh, you know was this real like bad borderline edge lord kind of character um, was now flamingly gay. Um, he wore assless chaps, you know, and he was constantly on his uh, husband and it threw the two players just for a loop. Cause I mean, obviously, you know, they, they see my character and they called me by that name, Ganolf, but I was like, Oh no, my name's Adam. <laughs> and they were just very confused. Um, and that definitely aided to, to selling it for Thorn. And it, and it, ramped up the tension mm -hmm. because they depended so much on other characters that they they were kind of thrown out there you know having to do this stuff on their own yeah so it actually it worked out turned out really well i thought oh yeah it was great and then you know of course towards the end of that little section we had this you know 
mildly bloody fight and uh there was a god there was baba yaga there was a vampire and this whole ritual that started the uh the time jump that you added to it so which i'm going to say i completely borrowed slightly twisted from foreververse uh which is a thing that's on which is a thing that's on uh geek and sundry and Mm -hmm. if anybody ever gets a chance to watch foreververse especially the first uh arc of it it's about werewolf and it's amazing but i added the horror trope to it so it's actually a good way to look at it where i took it they did it going back to world war ii and fighting the nazis where i took it and took you to you know, 1890s England took you to fight Jack the Ripper. Oh, nice! And the horror part of it. That's awesome. Yeah, I completely, I completely ripped that off in Foreververse. Yeah. See, <laughs> listeners, steal everything. <laughs> um, Add your own twist. Yeah. I actually have a, I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. So, I know, I know when talking about horror, because one of the, one of the things I struggle with with writing it is. Um, the great, a great debate in my head between whether I should make the horror an unbeatable horror or something that the players can defeat at the end. And which do you feel like would be scarier? So it actually depends on the players in, in my opinion, um, because I've done both, uh, especially, and you, Robbie and uh, Thorne were actually in this, the campaign where it was technically a beatable bad guy I mean, you guys eventually saw Cthulhu and it was very um, tense and there was a lot of death going on. There was a God War involved, um, but there were multiple avenues that you could get out from this issue. And Thorn inevitably was able to roll a high enough uh, wisdom save to see what was going on and wish the party essentially out of that problem. Um so it wasn't necessarily that Cthulhu could be beaten. It was just that um, it was very difficult to do. But there's also, um, and, and Thorne can take it from here, but in World of Darkness, I always feel like it, it's more, the party's actually supposed to die. You're supposed to feel that dread, enjoy that drama, and then, you know, maybe have a, either a heroic death or just a, a horrific death and go from there. I'm not, I'm not going to say that's world darkness. That's probably just me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always, I always want to start out with an unbeatable horror and to see where it happens, see where the dice, you know, how, how they roll. Mm-hmm. There's always little things that I keep in mind that if you do certain things, this is going to happen. Uh, like, oh. and this might be, you know, hindsight 2020 and all, but like the whole Jack the Ripper thing, all you had to do was find that mirror with cat. That's all you had to do the whole time. Mm-hmm. But nobody did it. Right. And it does. Lend nobody to, went after it. Yeah. It does lend to some more creative approaches to things. I mean, because my, my character attempted to like control the, the, uh, the doc gang there and so we had to talk to the leader of the gang and it ended up not even being the leader it led to somebody else and and so it it really worked with with the story and it also helped from your storytelling that like it almost felt 
almost useless because we, we kept trying to do things and none of it seemed to be the one thing that we needed to do to get our character, our, our friend back uh, or stop the, the big evil in that area. Cause we knew that there was something going on, you know, uh, when we were sent to this time period, we were all, all given the mission of stopping the, the big bad cults. And we just, couldn't seem to find the right answers <laughs> yeah which happens mm-hmm. that does happen you just have to be the trick with being the the storyteller or the, the dm or the gm or whatever it is um is to keep it moving forward mm-hmm. like even though they failed at that objective i had to give them something otherwise it just it gets dull right always losing and so you have to give Oh, sorry. What were Go you ahead. Saying? No, it's fine. I said you have to, you have to give, even when you're taking so much. Because that's, I mean, as as a storyteller, I love to torture. I say that again and again. I just, I'd like to, I like the reactions. I like the, the quick thinking that I, that happens because I'm always throwing something at them, constantly mm-hmm. throwing something at them, and it it might not be fair, but it it gets. To me, it gets better role playing because World of Darkness isn't so much about the the fighting Absolutely. as like D and D can be. It's about the role playing. I want the RP. I want the interaction. I want to know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And to me, that makes a fun game because I mean, I get some stuff where it's just like, well, that that was creative. Like I brought just this past session, I brought five huge. I mean, they were wargs from like the, you know, the Lord of the Rings type wolves at this this path of, of I mean, it was like two werewolves and a vampire. <laughs> There's no way they would have been able to win. And they got out of it without actually having to fight. And it was purely because I mean, that, one of the players was playing to his vice. Yeah, exactly. And that and it worked. It worked great. I didn't expect it. it I had no idea it was going to happen, mm-hmm. but but it worked. And I actually rewarded everybody with with experience points because it was so creative that it had occurred to me that it was going to go that way. And similarly, Robbie Robbie did that to me um, when uh, he was talking to a uh, mind flare uh, slash hive mind, <laughs> and. Oh. You know, his his character was like, well, I mean, what what do you want? I I could make it happen. (laughs) And it just kind of it ended up being that his character just like went from contract to contract. There was a demon involved. There was the elder brain there. There was uh, um, we ended up going into like a, a a mind session like it was just in Robbie's character's mind that we were talking and none of the rest of the party knew what was going on he ended up controlling legion for a time um and inevitably got a arrow to the forehead um just because the uh you know the party didn't exactly like uh him trying to control uh the dragon of one of the other party members <laughs> and he was trying to clone me Oh, I was. That's right. I was. That's true. Oh, but since we're on the subject, um, uh, you were talking about how how your um in your campaign how you like 
starting with a with a un, um, an unbeatable uh, villain or un- terror. That's how it feels yeah. pretty much in your campaign for me. <laughs> Very much like you have an unbeatable being in front of us. I get into a lot of trouble. You do. And um, because World of Darkness, you do. Yeah. Trouble. And that's because my character is um, just into getting into all the all the mysteries of everything, and I'm consistently feel like I'm I'm batting up against this thing like a like a mockingbird hitting a hawk. <laughs> and, and I will say this: when it comes down to my style, Robbie style, Illidan style, it's we're vastly different. Mm-hmm. Because Robbie does concentrate form, and he likes to write things out. Uh, <laughs> Illidan likes to write things out, but it's not always horror. He does yeah. some very, very unique and, I mean, truly in my 30 years of playing D&D, some of the most unique and fun adventures that I've, I've ever played. No, thanks. And, and Robbie, some of his ideas are just so perfect they've, they've been such a joy to play in mm-hmm. and i am so off the seat i don't write nothing down i just think of everything as the story goes yep and your role play is and, huh, what and your role play is amazing i try i mean i i really have fun with it and it's been such a pleasure actually role playing in their campaigns it's it's been so much fun and but it, it says a lot to the new GMs. It doesn't matter if you'd like to write things down or you don't. You yeah. can do it. You just have to find decent players. You have to find people that want to want to go on these journeys with you because that's what it is. It's just journeys. And, and that's something that we can we can end on too is that you know the for new DMs. Um, it like like Thorne said, it, it doesn't matter the style that you DM. Um, it matters how you bring the story together because that's that's why Thorne and I call ourselves story weavers because we have to realize that the the DM or the the GM doesn't necessarily write the entire story. We if we write it all, it's a framework, an outline, and the players put in the rest of the story we're just the the facilitator then that's why oh. we call ourselves story weavers um, well, because you all were like giant spiders oh yeah i mean that that's another you know we're just uh arachnids Is we're, not, we're not talking about that yet you're <laughs> <to do> that. <laughs> um but robbie uh, to finish us out um what are some of like do you use props in your games uh do you use music what's something that new dms can think about using to immerse their players in um if you were doing a horror setting that say you're doing something that is uh that relies a lot on presence and ambiance you definitely want to go for music you don't have to have you could just play some like spooky sounds in the background or some like some um foreboding piano but the music really helps uh, draw the players in um, especially with horror. Um, another thing, I try to stay away from full pictures, um, like uh, full images of creatures. Because like I said, I like to give you little pieces 
mm-hmm. and have the players build it from there. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely just just having your descriptors ready um, when playing. I mean, or if if you feel more comfortable, um, if you feel more comfortable just going off the cuff, like just saying, just describing something from the top of your head, um, then you can do that too. But just descriptors and music for ambiance is is just gonna get them i promise awesome well thanks for being uh on the podcast today robbie Um, and and listeners make sure you guys check out his twitch channel uh o-o-g-o-r-t-h in the search bar um and he also does um dm services uh you can you can rent him by the hour so to speak um and where can they find that at robbie so you can uh get me on my discord um probably the best place um it's uh maroon so it's m-a-y-o-r-o-o-n and then you're gonna want to put the um the hashtag sign and then it's gonna be um the number is zero eight six zero and you can message me on there so um, if you want to join a campaign, just let me know. Like I said, it's Maroon, M-A-Y-O-R-O-O-N, hashtag 0860. And just send me a text or send me a message. If you're interested in playing or interested in my services, I can give you full prices. And I kind of let you um, kind of see my whole resume of um, what, I've, what I've ran and uh, what I've done. And I will say this in 30 years for anybody that takes advantage, it's one of the best DMs I've ever played with. So oh, take full you. advantage. Yeah, for sure. And also, uh, you guys can find us. Uh, the dungeon is occupied. Um, our podcast is on Podbean, uh, which you will probably be listening to this episode there. Uh, I am attempting to get into Apple and um, Google uh, podcasts. We are. Uh, I just got an email that says we are going to be uh, on Spotify very soon in the next five to six days. Uh, our our episodes will just start going there. Um, and then you can also find us on our website, candremporium.com. Uh, and that stands for the Captain and Ravens Emporium. Uh, we do, you know, homemade art, uh, ho- uh, handmade goods. Uh, we do... Uh, dm services robbie's on our our team page there as well that you can contact us through uh, i myself do uh rent me uh dm stuff there uh and thorn's gonna start helping with some uh handcrafted knitted items uh in the near future uh and we also uh do lawn service if you're in the need <laughs> in san antonio uh a but a little bit of everything that's what emporium stands for uh so again that website is c-a-n-d-r emporium.com uh find us there and remember to keep checking those dungeons because this dungeon is occupied <laughs>